One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Pat Cummins. I'm Josh Hazelwood. I'm Lisbon Kawaja. I'm Mitch Marsh. I'm Darren Lehman. I'm Mitch Stark, and you're listening to the Unplayable Podcast. This is the Unplayable Podcast. On today's episode, we cover the ball tampering scandal in Cape Town, the heavy sanctions handed out by Cricket Australia, and the shock resignation of Australia coach Darren Lehman. Here to get through all that and plenty more is acecricket.com.au reporter Callum Kanonik. Callum, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Sam. Callum, can you believe what has happened over the past five or six or since the last time we did this podcast? Not even remotely. There's been so much happening and in the brief moments where you have time to pause and think about what is actually happening, I genuinely can't believe it. And then something else happens. And then something else happens. We've got to apologise for a couple of things. One, for the delay of this podcast. Our intentions were to do it much earlier in the week. However, it just seemed to be incident after incident. There's been a bit on, Sam. There's been a bit on. So we f- please forgive us. Uh, we must also apologise for the doc. Who just did, in general or? Just in Well, you know, we probably could do that, should do that. Uh, hopefully, he will be here for a late innings cameo. He's going to come down the order later on and hopefully hit a few out of the middle. Maxi-like. Well, very much like Maxi. But that's done with the apologies. We're going to get into the ball tampering saga, the scandal, the incident, the outrage, Callum. But before we do that, let's go through it from the very start. And this is going to take a little while. So bear it's, with us. It's the kind of thing you really need to break down, don't you? There's so much to unpack. And we thought the Rabada stuff was confusing and full-on and intense. I thought it was going to be the biggest cricket story of the year by far. And now it's about not even top five of this series. Kahisu, as I say. Kahisu. Moving right along. It's been a long week. All right, let's get into it. It all started, Callum, in the afternoon session of day three of the third test when Cameron Bancroft was caught using a yellow object to manipulate, alter the condition of the ball. He saw himself on the big screen, panicked, chucked it down his trousers. The umpires came over and asked him what it was. He pulled out a sunglasses case, a fabric sunglasses case. Thing was, he wasn't even wearing sunglasses. He knew something was up then. The broadcasters went bananas. Speculation was rife at that point that he was sandpaper, that they were trying to dodge up the ball. This had been happening for ages. It just got a little bit crazy. After play... Bancroft and Steve Smith, the captain, front of the press. Callum, we were there, and that was pretty full-on, wasn't it? It was really full-on. First of all, we had to wait, I think it was about 65 minutes from yep. the time the last ball was bowled until the two rocked up. So it was a lot of speculation. Who's coming? You know, Who, who are we going to get to actually hear from? Because there's been so much talk on social media about what the object was, what they were trying to do, why were they hiding? There's so much happening. We had ex-players... Graeme Smith, Shane Warne were saying it's got to come out and own it. They didn't even know what it was at that point. They knew something, knew something dodgy was going on, obviously, but they said, you've got to come out there, be honest, and just own it. Well, that's the funny thing about cricket. We are talking about it the other day. But something of this nature, something so controversial, massive moment, and everyone's talking about it. And yet, just because of the nature of cricket itself, we couldn't hear from the people involved for almost two and a half hours. Yeah. So by the time, because this happened, what, half an hour before tea? Yep. Had to play at the whole final session. 
and everyone else in the world is talking about this, but we can't hear from the people involved just because they're out in the middle playing the game. All right, so they front of the press, Smith and Bancroft. Bancroft said, look, yep, I've done something, something against the spirit of the game that he used. It was, He said it was sticky tape, yellow sticky tape, that he used to pick up granules, I think his words were, of the pitch. So which just, was absurd. Which was absurd, which didn't make a lot of sense. No. Uh, in fact, it didn't work because the umpire saw the ball and said, well, it doesn't look like much has changed, so here you go, keep bowling with it. I actually found out today that they inspected the ball 11 times after that initial inspection. so And they didn't change the ball once. So if they were the ball tampering, they're bloody terrible at it because it didn't change, the, didn't change the connection of the ball. Smith took full responsibility, said that it was a plan devised by the leadership group, took full responsibility of it, uh, apologized that it wasn't on, and they were basically going to take whatever punishment was going to be handed out for them. We thought that was it. So that, that it, left that press conference huge. And everyone thought, Wow, they've admitted to this, they've come out and they've laid it all on the table. No one expected them to do that, yep. but that was kind of the feeling, wasn't it? It was like, oh, absolutely. this is massive, but at least they've come forward and told the truth. We asked them if it was the first time. Smith said, first time, definitely under his captaincy. That Something like that has happened. Where are the people involved? He said, no. At that point, we didn't really know what was going to happen. I guess the next step was going to be what the ICC do, and they've been busy, the match officials in the ICC in this series. Andy Prykoff would have thought, well, I'm going to walk into this series, all the Rabada stuff's done, Jeff Crow's handled all that. He got a bit on his plate, and it sort of erupted the next day, Callum. Well, it did, and again, the just because of the very nature of this series being in South Africa, there was certainly a social media storm and people talking about ex-players as we said getting involved but from a Australian point of view this first took place at close to midnight on the east coast yep um, and kind of played out in the following hours after that so that there's not a massive amount of people probably watching and kind of following along given the timings of that so it wasn't until everyone woke up and by that time, it's you know late night in South Africa that Australia really blew up. And everyone knows, obviously, the outrage that has followed, but it was kind of delayed. It was almost a lagging effect. So I'm not sure the people in the Australian camp kind of could comprehend how the public would react. And that's a good point because Tim Payne, who spoke the next day, and we'll get to that in one very short moment, that he didn't realise the enormity that the players involved didn't realise the enormity of what they had done. Well, that's right. Steve Smith kind of said, look, we've made a massive mistake, but, you know, we'll learn from it and we'll push on and, and, you know, on to the next one almost. Sunday before Sunday in Australia, before the play actually started at Cape Town, uh, James Sutherland had come out. He did a press conference outside the Melbourne headquarters uh, of Cricket Australia and said there's going to be an internal investigation. He was very sorry. It's not the conduct that an Australian cricket team or Australian cricket players um, should show how they should behave and there's going to be an internal investigation launched by the CA Head of Integrity, Ian Roy and Pat Howard, the Executive General Manager of Team Performance was also flying with Ian to South Africa. Back in Cape Town, the Test match was resuming. Day four, Australia right behind in the game and Steve Smith and uh, David Warner had stood down from their leadership roles. So for day four, for the rest of that match, Tim Payne was acting captain, interim captain, which is extraordinary in itself considering six months ago that he was pretty much giving away cricket. He was going to work for Kookaburra and... He was play, on seek. Exactly, play grade cricket in Melbourne. Now he's, the, at that point, the Australian cricket captain. It was a very surreal morning, though, wasn't it? 
It was just eerie. Because this team is so used to rituals and routine and kind of how they go about their day-to-day business. But this was just so out of whack. You didn't see any players out in the field until very late in the piece. Um, a couple of players kind of coming from the nets, but not really any kind of structure to their warm-up, which is so unusual. And yep. then no one was out there. Then finally, I think an hour before play, they came out to the middle and Steve Smith was nowhere to be seen. That's right. They normally have their team talk around an hour before a start of play, but that was taken in sort, indoors, inside on, on that occasion. The only other time I've seen that, I've only seen that once since covering the test team for about five years now, and that was the morning Michael Clark announced his retirement to his teammates um, in England in that fourth test match. So something was up. Normally where there's smoke, there's fire with these type of things, and sure enough, Smith, Warner, stepping down from their leadership roles, Payne uh, named the captain Trevor Holmes, the chairman of Selector on G, Tyler Payne is going to be captain. And, and that's when we sort of knew because uh, Smith wasn't there, then Warner runs off, and then Payne runs off, and sure enough, that happens. Then in the afternoon, so Australia were looking in bad shape in this test match. It got worse for Smith and Cameron Bancroft and the ICC handed down their punishments. Smith suspended for the fourth test match. He copped a level two charge, a maximum amount of points. He also got a fine 100% of his match fee. Bancroft also level two, but three demerit points and 75% of his match fee. So you can understand why Smith was not on the field. From all reports, he didn't sleep the night before. Not a great sleeper at the best of times. Not a great sleeper, you know. Very emotional. Uh, He was nowhere. That's how people described his mental state. He was nowhere. He had to bat that day, um, and Australia ended up losing that test match by 322 runs, even though they'll set a world record chase of 430. Never going to happen. In fact, they they looked all right at the start. Warner and Bancroft put on 50 for the first wicket, but once Warner ran out Bancroft, Australia lost 10 for 50 in the final session, and that's only happened a couple of times. So... Yeah, they were never going to win that test match. Protea is right on top. And then we had to wait uh, to see what was what the next step in this saga was, and it turns out it was Tim Payne fronting the press. That's right. So we had Tim Payne speak after play, and he was quite candid in that he admitted it had been a horrible 24 hours. Um, he said, well, at that stage it was kind of Steve Smith and Cameron Bancroft who were the the two players central to this. Sole culprits, yeah. Yep. Um, and he said they were in a bad way. And also, because of the investigation being launched, CA basically put a gag on all the players because they didn't want to compromise what was happening yep. in that review. So, you know, the public are baying for blood. They want to hear from everyone. What happened? How did it happen? Who the was co- involved? The coach. They always want. They all wanted to hear from Darren. They want to hear from the coach. But couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So... There's a lot of waiting and seeing, a lot of unanswered questions that couldn't yet be answered for the public. Um, so it was just, it was, it really was a bizarre, eerie day of, of test cricket. Well, next day, day five of the test match, no cricket on, but that's when the internal investigation took place. So Ian Roy, along with two ICC integrity officers, interviewed select players. Not everybody getting interviewed, but a lot of the players and a lot of the support staff got interviewed. Some went for 40 minutes, some went for longer, some went for shorter. It was uh, another eerie day around the team hotel and we were actually sitting in the bar at the team hotel, sipping on a lemonade and a water. Yes. And uh, saw players coming and going and I think what they really got out of it was 
and what they didn't hold back was the truth. And from speaking to a few players, um, after it's all been done, they've said that they went there and were as open and as honest as they could be. Australia travelled to Johannesburg where James Sutherland held a press conference in the afternoon. Well, actually, it turned out to be the evening. It was set for 4 o'clock. It ended up about 7pm in the evening where he dropped these bombshells uh, that Steve Smith, Cameron Bancroft and David Warner were all suspended for the next test match. Because it was because it was such a tight turnaround, we only had those preliminary findings. They hadn't had a chance to really go through and dig deep into the report and kind of um, get a full picture, I guess, of what the sanctions were going to be, what the um, outcomes were going to be. But we got that massive news that those three guys were going to go home. Those three guys, yep, gone uh, out of the test match, going to be sent home. Queensland had previously just won had just won the, the Sheffield Shield and we knew that Matt Renshaw was going to come over because he was going to replace Steve Smith who had been already been suspended by the ICC. So Renshaw, he's got 80, 81 not out in the fourth innings of that game to guide uh, Queensland to the Shield title. He was coming over. Sutherland also announced that Glenn Maxwell and Joe Burns were coming over to replace Bancroft and Warner and that Payne would stay on as acting captain for the fourth test match. So you got Burns and Renshaw coming off shield titles straight away. Poor old Glenn Maxwell's getting excited to play for Fitzroy Doncaster That's in the right. Premier Cricket Final. That's right. He's fl- uh, flying over here. He almost went to Vanuatu. That's right. He, yeah. He's been all over the place, Maxie, but he loves it. So I must also admit that uh, we are sitting on leather chairs, so if there are any strange sounds, it's the leather. Yeah, you go, sure. It is, hey, it is the leather. All right. Sutherland also said that the full findings would be revealed inside 24 hours. So all that big news, there was going to be another payload of bombs about to be dropped the next day. And sure enough, they were huge. And and like we saw, when we first saw that yellow foreign object in Cameron Bancroft's hands, speculation, huge, right? Some in front of the, the, the media and only gave out those suspensions and who was coming over. More speculation, more specula- speculation about... Um, what would happen to the captaincy with Steve Smith? What the bans would be? Whether some people talk about lifetime bans, um, the outrage in Australia was extraordinary. Uh, I think it's pretty fair to say that one of the worst things you've been caught as an Australian, not just a sportsman, but in any form of life, is a cheat. And ball tampering is against the laws of the game, against the rules of the game, and the Australian public don't like people who break the laws and break the rules. So uh, it was extraordinary, extraordinary fallout from this. The next day, the findings did come out. Smith and David Warner banned for 12 months. Cameron Bancroft banned for nine months from international cricket and Australian domestic cricket. So Shield one day and BBL, none of that for 12 months for Smith and Warner, none for nine for Cameron Bancroft. They've each got to do 100 hours of uh, voluntary service in community cricket. Steve Smith and Cameron Bancroft can't hold a leadership role in the Australian cricket scene for at least 24 months, 12 months after their initial ban. And Dave Warner can never, no longer hold a leadership role. The findings stated that Warner was the instigator. Now, this is where it gets to the detail. And there's, these are some of the big, real big revelations. That Warner was the instigator, that he enlisted Cameron Bancroft to artificially alter the condition of the ball not with sticky tape, as Cameron Bancroft said, but with actually with sandpaper. And not only that, but demonstrated. He demonstrated. That do oh, doesn't did not paint a good picture for Warner. Bancroft and Smith got done for misleading the public and match officials, and Bancroft for concealing the item. Uh, That's right. So Smith's role at the start was that he was aware of the plan, 
and basically didn't stop it. So yeah, and from from what you hear, and we don't know this data to be uh, precise, but it sounds like he saw Warner and Bancroft talking and said, "Whatever you're doing, I don't want to know about it." And he would have known something when Suss was up. He went ahead, and Smith's taken the fall for being the captain and not pulling into that, and that's. That's not great, is it? So they're kind of the big revelations. The sandpaper that Warner instigated it, that he demonstrated how to do it with Bancroft. The fact that they enlisted the test rookie, the youngest player and the least experienced player in the test side, not a great look either. And Bancroft said on that uh, Saturday evening that he was nervous to do it, that he was nervous because of all the cameras around. And sure enough, those cameras spotted him doing it. Uh, fallout, huge. Um, the, well, the, other, the other thing too that emerged from that was that Lehman was essentially cleared. So there's been speculation for days about That's what right. he was saying on the walkie-talkie. Everyone kind of thought that he'd seen what was happening on the big screen, sent a message down to Peter Hanscom and said, these boys have been busted, hide the evidence. Where in actual fact, what happened was he saw it on the big screen like everyone else at the ground, everyone else watching at TV at home, sent a message down saying, what the is going on? Heck. Yeah, something like that. Because he from what the report found, had absolutely no idea and was as puzzled as everyone else watching at home. That's right. The plan was concocted, devised at lunch break and then when everyone came in at tea time, Lehman basically got them all in a circle and said, what the heck just happened? What's going on there? And even at that point, Bancroft and Warner told them that it was sticky tape. Nobody told them that it was sandpaper. That's right. Lehman later revealed that he didn't know about the sandpaper until... The report came out. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's people saying, what are they doing with sandpaper? Well, sandpaper is not uncommon in cricket kits because sandpaper is used on bats when they change stickers or when there's an edge or, you know, when the bat splinters, they use it to to shave off some of the bat and make it smoother and get it ready. So that's what the sandpaper is used for. It's certainly not used to artificially alter the condition of the ball. And, in fact, that sandpaper is so fine because you can't put big divots and ingrains and, and scratch up a bat. So it's so fine that... I don't actually think it would do any damage to the ball. It's not like it's some sort of hardcore industrial sandpaper. This stuff is like stuff that woodworkers use when they're putting the finishing touches on the, the leg of a piano, not not something they're trying to just scratch away or sand a deck or something. I mean, there's there's still a lot of questions as to you know the whys and just yeah why they thought this would be a good idea. But if they thought it would work, you would think that. They have tried it before. And yeah. I mean that from a sense that when you're at training, um, Aidan Markham spoke about this during the test match, that you need to find a way to practice against a reverse swinging ball. So what you do is you rough up the one side and keep one side shiny. And you've got to find ways to do that. And given it's training, there are no legal or illegal ways to do it. So, Absolutely. I, mean, I remember here uh, four years ago, Shane Warne was a consultant for the T20 side, but he was here a little bit early for that third test match. And he was in um, in the Cape Town Nets with a ball in the gutter, and he was scratching up like that. So you know, it doesn't matter how you get it rough in the nets, obviously, but they need to try and practice against reverse swing bowling, and that's what this is all about, isn't it? That Australia was struggling, and that reverse swing has played such a huge role in this Test series, and it's been the most difficult time to bat. It's been the best time to take wickets. I think Faf Duplessis said, said a couple of times that his players are putting their hand up to open the batting because that seems to be the easiest time to bat. Not when coming in um, fresh and the ball's tailing late and at speed and you know unorthodox. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the that's the main, that's the real point of it all to try and get the ball to reverse swing faster than it normally would. That's right, and 
there was a little problem um, that goes by now. AB de Villiers at the crease at the time. Yes. Um, and I think it's, it's all his say, fault. I think we can blame him. Let's yeah. blame AB. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so that was big. That day, Smith, Ben, Smith, Bancroft, and Warner all left South Africa. Smith. Um, Hugging all his teammates, tears, extremely emotional scenes. Bancroft, similar. Warner as well, they all left. Smith was just surrounded. It was like a... I don't know, it was like someone that's committed a murder and was trying to get on a plane out of there. But it was just extraordinary, you know, pretty disgraceful behaviour as he got to the airport. Rushed through security guards, camera crews, the whole lot there. Tough time for Smith. They got back... They got back to Australia on Thursday, the day that we're recording this podcast. Bancroft was the first to front the press in Perth at the Wacker, um, and I thought he did an extremely good job. Callum, he pre- uh, prepared a statement, but he took it all on. He knew that he was going to live uh, the rest of his career and potentially his life with this regret, and he said the most disappointing thing to him was that he's given up the spot that he's worked so hard for. He's given it up for free. Yeah, and... <laughs> Anyone who's ever spent a considerable amount of time with him will tell you how much of a team man he is. Yep. You know, he he's a guy who happily puts his hand up to feel a bat pad and wears a hundred balls a season or whatever it might be. Um he works so hard on his game. He finally gets that opportunity during the summer just gone to get that baggy ring cap, which is what he's always dreamed of. He comes over here to South Africa and uh under a lot of pressure surrounding his spot against a really high-quality bowling attack in some tricky conditions, I think really showed what he's capable of. Spent a lot of time at the crease. I think he's he was Australia's second-leading run scorer so far. He was at the, to- at the time. He was Australia's leading run scorer, yeah. So one silly mistake, and he basically loses all that. Yeah, it's, it's devastating for him. Uh, he's going to... Obviously, he has an opportunity to bounce back. Not yep. time, so he's going to come back halfway through next summer. But, I mean, there's no doubt it's a significant setback. Now, Bancroft was holding back the tears and doing a great job of that. Um, but Steve Smith, when he fronted the press at uh, the Sydney International Airport, he just couldn't keep it together. And it was just gut-wrenching to watch. It, it really was. And, uh, yeah, he was fighting back the tears for most of it just apologising. Uh, he said, if there's any good that can come from this, that people won't make the same mistake and they can just appreciate how um, important and what a privilege it is to play cricket for Australia. But he really broke down, really lost it when he was explaining that the, the, some of the impacts that it's had on, his, on him and how it's affected his family. And his dad, Peter, was standing there behind him when he, when he said that um, what's gone through and what's happened to his old man... Smith just lost it and his dad was there to put a reassuring hand on his shoulder but just I think a few million people around Australia lost it at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah, like again this is this is a guy who's still I mean he's still pretty young he's in the prime of his career. He's the world's best test batsman. He's many, a many-time Allen Border medal winner. Many could argue he's the best batsman we've had since the Don. Statistics in, would probably help you with that son. Absolutely. He's in the prime of his career. And this is a guy who lives and breathes cricket. He has been courted to become the Australian Test captain. He left school early, didn't finish his second secondary um, education. He's just lived and breathed cricket his entire life, and that's what he said. He, he said it's my life, and he wants to get back there again. Remember, we were chatting to him at the Sailor Tour, and 
he said he was struggling to overcome the jet lag and you know waking him up at 4 a.m we say well, what do you even do at that time he goes oh, i just watch vision yeah that's right just watch match vision opponents what i'm doing he just li- honestly lives and breathes it and as you say that presser was just so gut-wrenching because you can see how much it means to him and he acknowledges how much um i guess the public has been hurt and you know you can weigh it up as to how important cricket really is but you can see it's important to him and he recognizes it's important to the public so you can only hope that he has good people around him to support him especially over these next few weeks where it's going to be really tough for him but he'll he'll be back oh yeah his next test match if selected will be the first test of the 2019 ashes series can you can you imagine the enormity of that match and that series after the World Cup? So he'll be back for the World Cup next year. I think he's going to miss a dozen test matches, fair few limited overs and, uh, and T20s for Australia, plus domestic, BBL, all that type of stuff. But his first test assignment back could potentially be that first test in England. Now, we've got a little clip of Steve Smith's press conference. Uh, it's only a short one, but this is, this is right at the end uh, when he was asked about what kind of message this delivers to young kids growing up wanting to play cricket for Australia. I say two things, um, or three things. Firstly, I'm, I'm deeply sorry. Um, I love the game of cricket. I, I love entertaining young kids. I love kids wanting to play the great game of cricket um, that I love. Um, the two other things is any time you think about making a, a questionable decision, Think about who you're affecting. You're affecting your parents, and to see the way my old man's been. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you. It's, it hurts. Gallon, if that wasn't enough, there's more to come. Can you believe this? Just when we thought there were no more bombshells, later that afternoon, Darren Lehman finally broke his silence. He said that he wanted to speak, um, but because of the investigation, he couldn't do it. He said a couple of things that he wasn't going to resign, that um, culture needs to change. He needs to look at a team like, say, someone like New Zealand, and he needs to change. And there were big words from, from Darren and He's been the coach for a long way, a long time, and he's been coaching a certain way for a long time. That aggressive, in-your-face, high-tempo, entertaining cricket, that that needs to take back. They've always talked about the line, head-bunting the line. That needs to change. And he was very candid, again, emotional. Uh, he had a prepared written statement there. But it was good to hear from him and that he wanted to, to keep going. Well, that's right. It was kind of almost hope for the future that he was determined to change not only himself but the team and try and turn things around and um, it was kind of you get that sense that he recognised you know both the fallout and and the need for change for this cricket team moving forward less than 24 hours later there was some sort of normality returning to things match eve the Thursday both teams were going to train 
like, great, here we go. We can go watch some cricket. We'll guys run in, hit some balls. We were up in the press box. We got excited. We saw Darren out there checking the pitch. Maxi ran, ran over. Glenn Maxwell new to the side. Tembo was there for the Proteas. <laughs> Loving it. So much excitement. Just great. It was really good. But sure enough, uh, there was a little bit of a bombshell and... We're expecting to hear from Tim Payne. Yeah, that's, that's when we knew as, things. As we normally do on Match Eve, the uh, captains speak. We normally ask them the first question, do you have an 11? Second question, what's the pitch like? But this time, there was a big delay uh, for the Australian press conference. And when Darren Lehman walked in, we knew something was up. Yeah, it became quite apparent there was going to be something big given, obviously, Darren showed up instead of Tim Payne. And also, he had another written statement with him. And sure enough... Um, he announced that this fourth and final test will be his last as the head coach of the Australian men's cricket team. And then he kind of went into detail as to what had changed in the past 24 hours. It was really fascinating to hear that he saw the press conferences from both Cameron and Steve and kind of realised the enormity of the whole situation and I guess he... And the, and the damage on those players. And the damage on those players. And I guess he felt somewhat responsible as kind of... Um, Obviously, the coach of the team, but also as someone who really steers and, and drives that culture of the team. And just before that, the ICC have come out, Dave Richardson, the CEO, have said they're going to look into on-field behaviour and the way they um, followed through with their code of conduct and their charges. So this this whole series, I guess, from the Kingsmead stairwell incident to the Rabada brush with Smith right through to this has probably opened up a lot of eyes um, as to player behaviour. Richard said it's gone on for long, for far too long. Yeah, we've spoken about it on here as well, but you know, one thing this series has showed is how fundamentally flawed the ICC code of conduct is to handle these kind of situations. Yeah, it's just not developed enough, is it? No. When, when you have a situation where Steve Smith gets a one test ban for what happened, no other bans in place, and then CA comes out and lays down a 12-month ban and a nine-month ban for across three different players... There's something wrong there. There's something horribly inconsistent with what is happening and who kind of administers the game. Now, Callum, I think that's it at the moment in terms of bombshells. I think we were all right at the moment. Before we get into the cricket stuff, big talk about now the lead-up to it, but the big talk now is were the sanctions fair by Cricket Australia? Is a 12-month ban for Steve Smith and not letting him captain for 24 months appropriate? Is it too much? Is it too heavy? Is it too too light? Have they got off easy? What do you think, Cal? It's a, it's a really tough one. This is unprecedented. Ball tampering in the past under the ICC code conduct hasn't been as harshly dealt with as it has by Cricket Australia. But Cricket Australia have made it you know, in no uncertain terms that if you break the laws and you contravene the spirit of cricket, that you're going to be harshly punished. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly surprised by the length of the bans. I thought perhaps they would... Give him, say, a six-month ban, which sounds quite hefty, but then you kind of look at the schedule and works out to be a couple of tests, a couple of limited over series, and they're back for the summer. Maybe Smith loses the captaincy as kind of recognition of his, what he has described as a failure of leadership to step in and, and prevent it. But a 12-month ban, I mean, it's, it's just such a massive amount of time in cricket. You're looking at, what did we work out, but it's, about 12 tests Australia yeah. scheduled to play in that time. It's going to seriously hinder their preparation for a massive winter in 2019, which is a, a World Cup and an Ashes. 
And you see the flow-on effect as well where both Smith and Warner lose their IPL deals, Mm -hmm. which are both worth a couple of million dollars, which is uh, no small amount of money. Losing their own personal endorsement deals. Cameron Bancroft loses a county deal, which again would have been amazing preparation for that Ashes next year. And they don't get a C contract. That's right. They They lose their central contract as well. Um, so uh, it's hard to say whether it's right or wrong just because, as you say, it's so unprecedented. But I think what it does is it sets a really strong precedent and a reminder to all players in Australian cricket about yeah. what is right and what is wrong and what is expected by Australian cricket fans. And at the same time, I think it's a bit of a jolt for Australian cricket fans to kind of look at themselves and almost say, what should we expect from our Australian cricket team? There's been there's been the outrage to the incident. Then there's almost been the outrage to the outrage itself because we live in this age of outrage. But you know what should we expect from our Australian cricket team? It's always been that really hard and tough and in your face kind of cricket. But maybe we need to look at ourselves and say, do we as cricket fans kind of need to pull ourselves back and say, maybe we have to set different expectations? Absolutely. And I think another thing that's come out of this is just shows. It just shows how passionate the Australian fans and the Australian public are of the Australian cricket team. I mean, if this was a, a club game or, you know, there's been salary cap breaches, there's been uh, drug abuse, you know, there's been, you know, peptides, all that type of stuff. That's caused outrage, but nothing on the scale of this. And this is worldwide, maybe because it's an international sport. But I think a lot of the time that people are worried about test cricket and the future of it as a global game, not just in Australia, but... If anything, it just shows how people really care about the game and put Test Cricket in particular and the Australian cricket team right at the top. If this was happening to a one-day or a T20, this isn't, there's no way that this is going to cause that much outrage. No. Um, but it being a Test match in a really hostile, fiery series, um, the Australian captain of all people, Dave Warner, one of the most exciting batsmen in the world, and a young player coming up and, up and coming. The silver lining, which might sound crazy, it just, I, you know, it might galvanise the fans, and it might just show how much the world still cares for Test cricket. I think it's, I think it's hard that, to look at it like that, but I think in a way that um, you know, it's all press is good press. This is not great press, but it just shows there's a lot of people out there who still care and hold and hold Test cricket in the highest regard. Yeah, so I think there, are, there's a lot of things to kind of um, fall out of this, but I think it's very much that kind of introspection from, you know, CA going to launch a review into the culture of the team so there's that part of it from a very team level as to you know that expectation but also as i mentioned from the fans but then also um i think this incident was very much a kind of a build up the um straw on the camel's back if you will for teams uh, around the world who have i think have been really put off by the australian cricket team's behavior in the past in terms of sledging and this uh, imaginary line that keeps getting brought up but I think they were kind of waiting to pile into the this Australian team and they've finally slipped up like this and the floodgates well and truly opened and every man and his dog piled in. There was no shortage of ex-England players climbing into oh. the Australians and the Indian fans and former foes of the Australians certainly um, shared their views on Who social media. Who all have clean records, of course. Never. Yeah, that's right. It's a really tough situation. It's been an incredible week. Uh, an extraordinary week, an unprecedented, groundbreaking, bombshell-dropping week. We haven't slept much, Callum. Uh, it's been... <laughs> I know that players have slept. No one's slept. But thankfully, today, 
it was just it was just amazing to watch, wasn't it? We saw some of these players in their team kit actually bowl a ball. They were, they were hitting yeah. those balls. It was uh, it was incredible. It's almost like you take it for granted when you watch the guys play, but they were preparing for a test match. Tim Payne's the captain. Callum, everyone except for you, you're the only one on the ground of the Wanderers. Everyone else was back doing a James Sutherland's press conference where he was paying tribute to Darren Lehman and making sure that everyone knew that he wasn't going to stand down and he was uh, galvanised. He was driven to see Australia through this dark period. But you were on the field and you got to watch the Australians train. Yeah, it was very eerie. Um, they kind of started off with trying to bring back, bring back a little bit of fun, kind of, because what we have here is almost an end of an era or the start of the end of an era, if you will, this final test match with um, Darren Lehman in charge. So they had a bit of a, a fielding drill, support staff v players, everyone getting involved. Brad Haddon throwing down the stumps and support staff actually won. So, you know, there's a lot of laughs, everyone getting involved and I think it was very much what they needed after um, Darren told the players the big news a short time earlier. And then after that, it was, it was kind of a little bit eerie. Um, the team had a... I'm not sure what it was. It was almost like a, a top 100 Australian songs of all time blaring over the PA. Um, and we certainly got some interesting uh, song choices thrown up. Yeah, Nick Cave playing. I thought, what's going on here? Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't quite the uplifting um, mood so that they were perhaps hoping for. But, you know, seeing players, uh, you know, visibly upset about what had unfolded and then you have these new guys who are really fresh and energetic and, you know, Glenn Maxwell trying to bring a lot of laughs back into the nets and, you know, that competition aspect. It was um, There's a lot of contrast out there, but also, you know, at the same time, I think there's recognition that there's a massive test. Like, this test is huge. On heaps of different levels. Yeah, but even from a purely cricket perspective, this is Australia looking to maintain a record that is almost 50 years old of having never lost a series here. South Africa, on the contrary, they're trying to create the history of their own. You've got guys like AB who um, this is one of the reasons why he still plays the game. This is why he plays yeah. test cricket, is to beat Australia at home. Mornay Morkel was playing his final test match. Last test got his 300th wicket and no one seemed to care because everything else was... So did Nathan Lyon. Nathan Lyon as well. Nobody cared, unfortunately for Nathan. No one cared, but... Uh... He's going to take many more. He'll be, he'll be around for a bit longer. But you're right, it's a huge, it's a huge test match. Uh, we don't know the Australian eleven, do we? We know that Payne's a captain. I haven't uh, heard. Well, Payne's a captain. Oh I've, yeah, I've just exclusively revealed that. Payne's a Payne's a captain. I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that the Queensland Bulls opening pair of Renshaw and Burns are going to take the spot of Bancroft and Warner, which leaves replacing Steve Smith probably going to be Peter Hanscom, who's been the reserve batsman all tour. Glenn Maxwell's here. A couple of players in the eleven haven't. Well, no one's got a hundred. There's a couple of players in that in that top six who. Um, forms a little bit shaky. Sean Marsh and Usman Khawaja, they haven't set the world on fire, but then again, nobody has. Does Maxi come in for one of those people? Uh, it's very interesting. The fast bowls, I mean, they've bowled a lot this tour. They've bowled a lot this summer. Uh, Mitchell starts carrying a bit of a toe complaint. Uh, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood have just almost bowled themselves into the ground. It's going to be interesting to see how Tim Payne plays as captain. We had a little glimpse on that day four, but really couldn't do much with the game so far behind him, he you know, really couldn't do much there and just wait for a declaration, I suppose. They did get A.B. de Villiers out again. 
which is encouraging. Oh, did that? I can't even remember that. Yeah, it's, I think so. It was 64 and 63 in that test oh, match. Wow. Yeah. Must have got bored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Must have. Oh, the pitch was doing something. Maybe it was a reverse swing. But uh, interesting to see what happens with the test team. As you said, big test match. We hear there's going to be 15,000 fans there tomorrow. Oh, see, this is another one. The, the, the crowd aspect. They were very naughty in Cape Town, abusing abusing players, uh, abusing the, the wives and families of players to the point where Lehman actually fronted up halfway through it and said it was disgraceful behaviour and had to be on. They had written a letter to Chris Africa. That seems to be all put in the, in the back burner at the moment. Uh, no doubt they'll get some friction from the crowd. Absolutely. I don't think the Proteas will. I don't think they'll sledge their strains. I don't need to. Strength cricket right now is at rock bottom. I don't think they need to to worry about trying to dig the knife in. Like I said, if you go for a swim and then someone throws a glass of water on you, it's not going to do anything. You're already wet. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Very, very interesting. It's going to be, I, to be honest, the way I see it, it's going to happen. Australia's either going to pull off a miraculous victory, which I think would be a fitting end to this incredible series, or they're going to get hammered because of the mindset they're in. Both of you said today that they haven't, sleep, they haven't slept much the past week. No. They cancelled training on Wednesday. Today was their only training session before the test. You got two guys, at least two guys, who are going to play that test. Basically, going to be jet lagged. Essentially, they had no time to acclimatise the conditions. You got those two guys from Queensland, um, Burns and Renshaw, who have just played a Shield final. Such a quick turnaround. <laughs> who knows how it's going to go? It's going to be so difficult. I reckon they're going to win, Callum. I really do. Oh. Just the way the series is gone. It, it'll have to be an unbelievable win. It'll have to be like a one-wicket kind of situation. It'll be like Pat Cummins in 2011 oh. coming out. What if one of the big quicks doesn't play Jai Richardson comes out or Chad Sayers comes out? Who knows? It might be Glenn Maxwell comes and hits a winning run. I mean, that's the I thing. just, you know, South Africa had so many things go in their favour and if they still can't pull off this victory in South Africa, I mean, what kind of feeling will they feel after that? I mean, they'll be so deflated to see... Darren Lehman off with a test victory to keep the record alive. Let's think of, let's go, let's put our heads six days ahead, you know, and think what will be the great headlines. But that's the thing about this series. You can't put your head forward six hours, let alone six days. Well, this, I just this did. Po- I this just podcast did. is going to be out of date in about two hours. That's right. We haven't even seen the doc yet. I wonder what he's doing. Uh, who knows? We can, we won't Another cafe latte, no doubt. Just stop it and get him in his... I've given up trying to predict what's happening. Honestly. In fact, you've had a terrible run of this. How many contrary conduct charges have there been? This at least four hundred. <laughs> like it's absurd. Doc's actually got most of those right. The predictions. Don't tell him that. He's no. not even. He here. won't remember them. He won't listen to this podcast either. Absolutely not. I think. Chance. I think that's it. Are we wrapped up? <sighs> I'm puffed. Are we going to do one more after the series? Um, probably. That's not. if I don't catch the first plane home. Probably not. Anyway. This is the end of the episode. Calm. We got through it. Let's just hope for a scandal-free test match. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what could we possibly get? Uh, let's have a think. Someone that someone have, have to retire. Maybe. You know what we need? What, if, know, a, what if AB DeVoe's retired? Could do. But you, wow. know this, you know what this series really needs? Needs a man cad. No. <laughs> That's all it's missing. Wow. Or, yeah, something yeah, obstructing the field. Yeah. That won't happen. Will it? Famous last words. <laughs> All right, that's the end of to this week's episode. And maybe this um, this summer's series. We might not be back for a oh, little while. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a big... big... Jeez. We'll see what happens. We might be able to knock one over before we, before we head back to Australia. Yeah, we probably should. 
We need if, we need a doc farewell, surely. We need to say farewell to the doc. All right. Anyway, the fourth test will be shown on Fox Sports from 7 p.m. AEDT each night, unless I have to start a little bit earlier, but you can generally uh, set your watches to a 7 p.m. AEDT start time. If you can't get to a TV, however, Callum, there is a great option for you, isn't there? There is indeed. You can go to uh, a little website we like to call cricket.com.au or perhaps the Cricket Australia Live app, and we're going to have SEN's Live ball-by-ball radio coverage. Once again, the team on the ground in South Africa, including WA uh, superstar, legend, all-time great. A batsman with one of the highest test averages of all time. That's right. The great Adam Voges. He'll be there uh, bringing you all his insights into the game. Once again, that's SEN's radio call on our website and app. That's right. And you can also go there for all your new scores and video. Oh yeah, that too. Eventful Qantas tour of South Africa. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.